0: year. I've reassessed my loans. I've re-uploaded my data to the BIN Foundation Student Debt Center for the, the calculation to simulate what my best options are moving forward. And I think the best piece of advice that I've learned over the past year or multiple years is that you should never just pick a plan and set that as your only plan moving forward, because, you know, your salary will change and your situation will change and your long-term and short-term goals will change. And so that's been my most helpful thing to keep in mind because your strategy may change too.
1: That is Dr. Shiloh Landscoff a recent grad and practicing veterinarian. And this is the VIN Foundation's Veterinary Pulse Podcast. I'm Jordan Benshia, Executive Director of the VIN Foundation. Join me and our co-host and VIN Foundation board member, Dr. Matt Holland, as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics and share stories. Stories that connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible by individuals like you who donate to the VIN Foundation. Thank you. Please check the episode notes for bios, links, and information mentioned. All right. Thank you for joining us. Uh, This time we have a couple of guests, and um, the three of us are all representatives from the VIN Foundation in one form or the other. So we've got the VIN Foundation A team today, Um, a regular guest, Dr. Tony Bartels, who you might recognize, and uh, a new guest, or maybe a returning guest from a while ago, um, Dr. Shiloh Landiscove, a recent graduate, and um, I will let the two of them introduce themselves, but specifically, um, we're going to focus today on our loan repayment journey. So um, as we do introductions, I would like to talk about, you know, when we graduated around, you know, with about how much debt, etc., um, and since I'm going to be participating in this conversation today, uh, I will I will kick us off with introductions. So, um, my name is Matt Holland. I graduated from Illinois in 2017 with around $200,000 in debt, and uh, and that was all from veterinary school. No undergrad debt. I had already paid that off. And my wife, um, we got married uh, in the last year of veterinary school. Um, had around 70,000, uh, and that was split up between undergrad and graduate school. And I, I'll pass it over to Tony.
2: All right, I'm, uh, I'm Tony Bartels. I graduated from uh, Colorado State's combined MBA DVM program in 2012. Um, I finished with around $140,000 of student debt, and then I married a veterinarian also from Colorado State. Uh, who had a little over $220,000 of of student debt. Uh, She's a small animal internal medicine practitioner in Denver where we live. And I would say 99% of our student debt was from veterinary school. I had a little bit from my undergraduate education at Purdue University, but uh, the lion's share of our student loans uh, were from veterinary, paying for our veterinary education.
0: I'm Shiloh Lanscove, and I am a 2020 grad from the University of Illinois and I graduated with around $380,000 of debt and some of that a lot of it is from undergrad as well just because I did go to a private undergrad and um, didn't do a whole lot of paying off of that so they both combined to a whopping almost 400k of debt together, but luckily my husband did not go to the vet school, so we spared some debt on on his end.
1: Um, yeah, and I guess I should I should add that uh, my wife is also not a veterinarian, just for context. Um, and so, so you hear that we have three um, three different stories, um, different journeys, different decisions to make, but also like obviously a lot of similarities when it comes to um, the kinds of things that we have to consider, and so um, I, I would like to uh, to draw on to draw on that several times during this conversation, um, as as a reminder that um, everybody's situation is different at, at the individual level, um, and so when we talk about like. Uh, things you should be doing or shouldn't be doing um, or the right way to do things or the wrong way to do things there are a lot of there's a lot of variation at the individual level um, and so that's why we that's why we have three uh, you know three different people at different stages of their journey to to talk about the same kinds of decisions so um, this this idea to have this discussion came from um, a conversation around, the idea of paying off debt as fast as you can, and um, specifically comparing paying off something like credit card debt as fast as you can versus paying off student debt as fast as you can. And I will just to, to start the conversation, I will say that um, there was a while, and this this time extended um, to past when I started veterinary school. So there was a long time when I thought that um, paying, you know, paying debt as fast as you can was generally a good rule of thumb because debt is generally bad. So you, you generally wanna, you know, get rid of it sooner than later. And so I don't think that way anymore, um, but we'll get into, you know, the nuance of, of how that changed and why and the differences between different kinds of debt. But um, that's where I'll start with uh, my, my thoughts around that topic.
2: Yeah, and I, I think that is a common um certainly a common belief and and for good reason right i mean generally when you borrow uh any kind of money whether it's credit card debt or student loans or mortgage for your home or uh, a practice loan or whatever right there's the you know it's 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 the the idea is it's really not yours until you've you've paid off the the debt that you that you incurred to you know to to have that purchase and you know there's there's definitely some some good logic behind that but when it comes to student debt it's it's a little bit different and and significantly different recently just because of all the different methods that are available to pay back your student debt so now we have to start separating those things out Right, it's, it's not sufficient to just lump them all into the same bucket because they have very different uh, repayment methods, which means we have to analyze the repayment strategies separate from each other to see which one is going to fit best in our given circumstances.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a huge stigma around debt itself and between, you know, different generations of students. And there's a lot of different opinions out there on how to pay it back too.
1: And so, so yeah, if we we get into like all these different opinions on how to pay it back, um, or why to pay it back, why not to, when to, when not to, um, and something I mentioned earlier, like the right way to do it versus the wrong way, um, can we can we start with things that like we definitely. Should be doing or shouldn't be doing. And as an example, I'll, I'll use so, so, if you're a vet student listening to this um, and you're thinking about, you know, should you be paying off the interest that's accruing on these loans while you're still a student? Um, Tony, I'll ask, like, is there a hard yes or a hard no, like a hard, hard and fast rule that you, you should or should not be doing? You know, you should or should not be paying off interest in school.
2: Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, right, again, I would say generally speaking, you should not be paying the interest off while you're in school because most people who are doing that are using their student loan funds to pay back the interest on their student loans, right? And that is not helping you gain any ground at all, right? So if, if you have the ability... Right, the excess funds to make payments to your interest while you're borrowing as a student, then you probably borrowed too much, right? You borrowed more than you needed. And it's always better to borrow less than it is to just pay the interest associated with your student loans, because the principal is what generates the interest. And if you're only paying the interest, the principal is still there and it's still gonna continue to generate interest, right? And there's probably better things that you can do with that money as you're living like a student um, than paying the interest um, while you're in school, and borrowing less would be one of those. But having an emergency fund would be a close a close second, right? So you don't have to incur credit card debt, which is also quite common um, among veterinary students.
1: Yeah, yeah. That there, there's a lot. There's a lot in there. Um, I, I, uh, I wanna I wanna touch on some of it in a bit, but um, I will also wanna compare and contrast um, where somebody like Shiloh might be, because I think Tony, you and I, I mean, we, we set up our repayment before COVID was, you know, existed. And we're kind of at this different part, um, of our journey versus Shiloh, uh, you know, graduated, um, in 2020 and, And then the class of 2021 is also in this very different place than you or I were ever in. And so, um, can either of you talk about, you know, considering that like things, things you would do or wouldn't do, um, because of that. And I don't know if that's too, too vague, but I know we were talking before we started recording, you know, Tony, you something that you're getting, you said re worried about, um, that piqued my interest.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I guess the, what I'm worried about, or re-worried about, is the the fact that there's now two classes of uh, recent veterinarians who have no experience with what student loan repayment looks like. And that's because of the pandemic forbearance period we've been in. And that started in March 13th of 2020. And it shut the interest off, it shut the payments off. But it also uh, allowed those of us who are using an income driven repayment strategy to also still receive forgiveness credit during this time. And that is due to end uh, at the end of this coming January. So January 31st, 2022 is scheduled to be the end of the pandemic forbearance period, which means those of us who have not had their loans in repayment before are going to start to experience repayment in February of 2022. And, and, you know, it has given people some, um, license, I guess, to, uh, not have to worry about their student debt. Um, in other avenues, it may uh, may give them a sense of, "Hey, well, I can just throw a bunch of money at it now, while the interest is off, and I can, you know, see if I can put a dent in it long term." And and both of those really, I think, are kind of uh, unfortunately, you know, short term um, misfires because you know you really have to think about your student debt in a, in a more long term strategy to see how exactly it's going to play out in repayment to know whether or not you should not be making payments now, or you should be making payments now, or you should be focusing on other areas of your overall financial wellness.
1: And yeah, so that's, that's a great, like, hindsight is 2020 perspective from the expert. And so Shiloh, as somebody who is living this and, you know, not, not just yourself, but, you know, you could speak for some of your, uh, some of your colleagues that you, are interacting with and you know their stories too, but you know what are, what are people like you experiencing and what kind of um, decisions are you making and, and thought process are, are you having around that?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to impact there. And I think even between our three stories and then going further and saying, even between 2021 and 2020 grads, we have completely different mindsets because we had totally different experiences. You know, with 2020 grads, sure, we I mean, some of our um, our clinicals were canceled or moved, but really, we were only affected in the last few months of our schooling and then immediately into the workforce. And we had already pretty much had a plan moving forward and then kind of got this fun surprise or kind of a nice surprise right as we graduated that, well, actually, you don't need to um, worry about your payments for the first um, however many months, but really to us that didn't change our plan because we already knew, at least, you know, in my experience, that our income-based for payment plan, at least for me, would already have me at zero interest or not necessarily that, but zero dollar payments. And so it was just nice to have an added little zero interest on there. And then the 2021 grads, they were just mainly focused on getting their experience and, and trying to survive fourth year during a pandemic as well. And so I feel like they definitely put the loan stuff on the back burner um, and they didn't have as much, you know, handholding per se, or at least as as much guidance as I felt that the 2020 class did um, up to graduation because they were all just trying to struggle through, um, you know, the middle of a pandemic or so it's it's hard for me to say what the 2021 grad experience is as far as you know strategies, but I know that a lot of my peers, we've just kind of been enjoying <laughs> the zero percent interest and um, honestly having more questions from it, while also appreciating that we can take a little bit of a break as far as giving payments, but I know that there are a lot of people having questions, you know, should I be using this time to pay it down quick or should I um, use this money for other things like Tony was saying, should I be putting it towards payments for my house or my car? And so I think it's definitely super individual on what the actual answer is to that. And I think a lot of people are, frozen almost, you know, as Tony was saying, he's a little bit re-worried about, are people going to um, maybe just ignore the loans because we haven't had to think about them for a while? And how do we get people to really um, analyze their strategy and figure out what their plan is moving forward in a time that's really not, um, we don't even know what's going to happen in the next six months.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I so I think this is um, you know circling around uh, these like how these differences express themselves in in individual plans. So I'll use myself as as an example. And um, if I were if I were only focused on um, accruing the like the most wealth, I I wouldn't have you know I was living. Well, I don't know if you do know, listener, but I was um, because of the pandemic living with my parents and saving a lot of money, and then I moved out because it was a quality of life decision, and um, I would do that ten out of ten times. But somebody else who wanted a more, you know, wanted more money than than I'm currently saving, or wanted to save more than I am, would have stayed if that was their, you know, primary interest. And so you have to like to the extent that you are able. Um, know what is important to you, so you can know where to channel your, you know, the different parts of your budget. Um, and so I wonder what, and I wonder what either of you think about that as, as it um, as it relates to like these these things we're talking about. When you know, when Shiloh, when I hear you say, you know, you know, should I be the the question of should like should I be, you know, paying this off or saving up for that and the that word should makes me think of like a lot of that is up to the individual. Like what what should you be pursuing is like up to you on on um on a lot of levels. So yeah, I wonder what either of you think about that.
2: Well I would I would I would say that yes, a lot of this is is up to individual decision, but you, but you have to start and and you alluded to it, right? You have to, you have to start with a budget, right? Just like clinically, we have to start with a physical exam of our patients and we have to evaluate uh, the, the empirical evidence that we can collect to make informed decisions. The same thing happens with finance, right? We can come in with a preconceived notion that, I want to pay my debt back as fast as possible, whatever the debt is, right? But then the next step in that thought process has to be a numerical analysis, right? You have to do the basic physical exam to know what paying your debt as fast as possible even means for you, right? So you have to take, you can, take, you can start with the you know, individual choice and in how you want to unpack that plan but then you have to start putting the empirical evidence in place to execute it, right? And that starts with a budget, right? It starts with looking at your student loans and knowing which repayment plans you're currently enrolled in and which ones you're available to use and what your monthly payment's going to be or could be when repayment starts back up and how does that fit in your budget Because the people that I see that struggle the most are the ones that, you know, before they even know what their budget looked like, they say, well, I'm going to pay three, four thousand dollars a month towards my student loans. And it's like, all right, well, what is that going to do? Right. Is that going to actually pay your balance off? How long is that going to take? And what is that going to do to your budget? Which means, you know, you're likely sacrificing other areas and how long will that sacrifice last? Right. So, you know, it's all wonderful to have ideas of how you'd like to pay back your student loans and try to stick with you know something that fits in as fast as possible realm but you have to actually do the analysis to see if that's something that can even be financially feasible for your circumstances
0: yeah i think that in school at least we had a lot of discussion between students you know Oh, are you going to pay it down quick or are you going to do the forgiveness plan? And in the beginning, not a lot of us had much to base it off of besides the fact that we would discuss what our lifestyle was going to be like. Um, And so, you know, if you want to pay it down quick, people tend to mention the fact that they just want the debt off their shoulders. They don't want to think about it. And that's like you said, Matt, a quality of life decision that could be different from person to person and so other people may say I want to buy a house or I want to have children or you know I want to travel or do certain things that you would need to take that from your budget inherently taking that out of your repayment budget and so it's definitely dependent on the person what the right thing or what you should do um, not necessarily a, a set plan that everyone should follow
1: yeah and i i mean i I don't know if tony did this on purpose but i feel like it was a perfect segue into you know well that's where the rubber meets the road is like you know getting anxious about um about all of these important things i mean they are like i'm not saying that you know getting anxious is overreacting but um when you when you start to notice that well then like look at it and make a make a physical exam and um you know um, approach it systematically that way. And there, so the reason I said, I don't know if Tony did this on purpose or not, but I, the, the way, like the, the best, if not the only way I know how to do that is through the VIN foundation. I, I did that for my own plan when I was a new grad and I set up a meeting with Tony and then posted my situation on the message board. And, uh, that's, that's how, you know, because I'm putting myself in the shoes of the listener and thinking, well, how do I, you know, OK, I, I, I hear what Shiloh saying and I can figure out what's important to me, like quality of life things. And I hear what Tony's saying and I want to put those things into a physical exam and figure out my budget and what goes where. And the, so the, I'm tying those two things together by saying I, I recommend if you're in this spot where you're not quite sure what to do, um, use, use the VIN Foundation. Go to the Student Debt Center and um, start a conversation there with you and your colleagues. And that is uh, a tried and true way, in, in my experience, to get the help you need.
2: Yeah, it really does. It starts with that that initial physical exam, which is taking stock. And what, what we call it is your your student debt income and signalment. Right. And that is going to help you uncover all of those items that you should be looking into when you're building your overall financial wellness plan and your student loan repayment strategy. Right. So what what is your student debt balance? But, you know, what is it comprised of? Is it predominantly federal student loans? Are there private student loans in there, too? Do you have credit card debt? Do you if you're employed, do you have access to employer-sponsored retirement plans and health insurance or health savings accounts, all of those things that are going to factor into your overall financial health have to be considered so we can then start helping to prioritize those items that you should be considering ahead of an aggressive student loan repayment strategy, right? So, I mean, there's certain things, again, and this kind of comes back to um, – you know, I, I, I love the idea of starting with the, I have a, you know, I have a, an idea or a plan to pay my loans back as fast as possible. But if you're leaving other, you know, critical areas of your financial wellness off the table to do so, uh, you may not be doing your overall financial health all that much in the long run, right? I mean there's certain things to me that you know are just non-negotiable, right? You don't forego saving for retirement in favor of paying more towards your student loans, right? You don't forego having adequate health insurance or liability insurance or life insurance if you have a family, right? Before you start paying extra on your student loans, right? You don't forego an emergency fund, right? You don't forego you know, credit card debt, right? I mean, there's certain things that you really have to start prioritizing. Even though that student debt number might be the biggest one on the ledger, um, there are other areas of your financial wellness that that rise above what that student debt um, is actually doing to your um, your financial wellness.
1: Yeah, there therein lies the um, what should I be thinking about, and what should I be uh, what should I be aware of? I, I think I think all the things you just said. You know, the things you wouldn't forego. Um, those. Those are, those are the things that we, that we talk about when we say they are like, they aren't up to the individual, but they also like every individual has to think about them too. And so, um, that's why it's, that's why it's, uh, when, when I say it's the best, if not the only, um, place to, to get that kind of help is because, um, these, these people like, um, well, like the three of us have been sharing our stories in in that space on that message board um, for how many years now Tony and, and I don't think there's any other place that that has that collection of you know um, people who have been in the position that 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 you'll be in or that you might already be in if you're already graduated
2: yeah it's almost been 10 10 years now so yeah there's a lot there's a, a huge collection of of information and and experiences and and what to do and what not to do is uh, kind of advice that that lives in in that um,
1: in that Vin foundation and Vin student debt message board area. so so Shiloh, um on you know on what Tony just said like what to do and some advice like what um, when you think about you or people in your position um, do you have do you have any anything that you like that you haven't mentioned, or that you'd like to emphasize that you already have mentioned but anything that you would like to impart on you know either students or recent grads that like that you have found to be something that gives you peace of mind in this area you know something you do or something you don't do
0: Yeah, I think one thing to note is that, you know, I've always considered myself to be one of the students that really looked into my loans and at least wanted to learn more about them and how to pay them and different strategies. Because as a person with anxiety about loans, um, it definitely helped me to just understand them more and the process of, you know, what my options were and, and not necessarily the best way to go, but the best way for me in that moment. And one thing to, to, you know, emphasize for me is that every year um, throughout school and then, you know, this past year since graduating, I've reassessed my loans. I've re-uploaded my data to the VIN Foundation Student Debt Center for the, the calculation to simulate what my best options are moving forward. And I think the best piece of advice that I've learned over the past year or multiple years is that you should never just pick a plan and set that as your only plan moving forward because you know your salary will change and your situation will change and your long-term and short-term goals will change and so that's been my most helpful thing to keep in mind um, because your strategy may change too and i think that's important to to consider that you shouldn't just i mean you can set some things and forget them but I think your strategy should always be on your mind and you should consider, you know, both short term and long term goals. And for me, that was buying a house and, you know, replacing my old broken car and, you know, improving my quality of life in the short term, but also obviously considering the long term with retirement plans and savings and emergency funds and all the things that Tony has already mentioned.
1: Yeah, uh, great, great advice there. I, so for me, I I would agree with that. I so I would add, uh, I check for for peace of mind. I check my credit report. Uh, that I don't ever expect to see anything surprising there. But that's also because I check it, you know, regularly enough that um, that I now have that peace of mind. And then I know we've touched on budget, but I noticed a big decrease in my own anxiety around this when I made a budget and. Even when the budget wasn't going as planned, I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm spending more um, than I expected to." It made it's. I still felt a lot better about the whole process because I could identify what was happening instead of just have, um, you know, vague anxiety.
2: Yeah, But budgeting is eye opening, right? I mean, when you actually, and I know I I've been there, um, you know, I it is. so many people tell you you have to have a budget, right? And I'm here, I am one of these people telling you you have to have a budget, but it's true, right? You cannot manage what you don't measure. And it's amazing what you'll find in there if you just start tracking your income and expenses and where your money goes. Like I, I am shocked at how much as a veterinarian we personally spend on our two dogs, shocked, right? But until we sat down and actually laid it out. I had I had really had no idea how much. Couldn't agree more. Has. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I, it is amazing. And you know, not that I, that even led to us even changing that amount in any appreciable manner going forward, but knowing that, um, is just, it's just powerful, right? I mean, you, you, you have to end it, You'll find them any number of other areas in your budget that, that meet that same it, level.
1: So exactly. And, and I, I, I mean, I can just speak for myself. I don't know if other people see it this way, but I had the same experience with my own two. We have two cats and it didn't change what our plan was. You're still going to still going to do what we're going to do and get dentals and everything. But it's like Sudoku. It's like, well, once you know that that fits, then it kind of makes it easier to see where the rest of everything fits. And that for me, it was like, was the decrease in anxiety.
0: Yeah, and I actually recently um so I have, you know, I track my income and expenses and everything, but I I recently put together a spreadsheet of my, you know, me and my husband's salaries, our loans and our debt and our, you know, car payments, our insurances that we pay for renter or home insurance and, you know, life insurance and all of our savings and investments and even just having all of those in one place even though i'm not changing anything about what is going on there it definitely helps me see any holes that i need to fill with you know does do we both have our roth iras maxed out or things like that that it can help you visualize what's going on kind of from afar rather than just one by one you know trying to scramble <laughs> through life every day and feel like an adult with you know, a Roth IRA and a retirement account. Just having it all in one place, and then also having all of your student loans next to that is really helpful to see what payments you need to make on other things, and not only hone in on the student loan debt.
2: Absolutely, I think that's outstanding. And I, I you know, and what the real, I think the real value of that too is the percentage that each of those items occupies in your budget right? Because that's when you can really start to do some adjusting, right? When you start to see, well, how much how much of my income is actually going towards short and long-term investments or how much of my income is actually going to my student loan payments? And then if you do get, like, because a lot of veterinarians are paid on production, right? So if you get a production bonus once a month or once a quarter or at the end of the year or something, then you can kind of look at your budget too and see, well, if I want to allocate this production bonus, how best can I do that? And you can use your budget and generally how those percentages of items occupy your budget to allocate that um, that production pay bonus as well.
0: Yeah, and yeah. one other thing I wanted to say, um, kind of go going back when Matt asked, what I wanted to emphasize is that once you take a look at everything, it can be super overwhelming, especially if you don't really know, if you feel like you don't know what you're doing with it, because, you know, we didn't graduate with a finance degree or anything like that. Um, consulting with, you know, certified financial planners is definitely one aspect of that. But also just once you have it all written down of what you have, it's okay to walk away for a couple weeks and, you know, let yourself calm down and then come back to it, change one thing at a time, or just think about, you know, what you want to do moving forward. It doesn't all have to be done at once. And I just worry that people will, you know, think about it, get super overwhelmed and then push it away for six months and then repeat in six months.
1: Yeah. I I was going to say that one, one thing that um, budgeting helped me with was, um, not getting any more cats, which is only a half joke, but, uh, but yeah, it's, no, it's just, just to repeat, it does like, it does help you see where things fit in. Uh, but it's only a half joke. Cause I would always get more cats. Um, I think my wife is the reason we only have two and not, not our budget. So, uh, yeah, I, I think unless, unless either of you have anything to add, um, I think this has been a great discussion. Um, our plan is to try to turn this into a blog post too, so keep your eyes peeled for that. But uh, thanks for joining us, and I'll I'll let uh, Shiloh or Tony add anything they'd like.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoy talking about this stuff and just making awareness that you don't have to know everything and there's not always a right answer. But as long as you're thinking about it, that's doing the right thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would echo that. And you do also have some bonus time here to to work through everything, right? So, I mean, again, we are in that pandemic student loan forbearance period that'll last a, a few more months here, and that's a you know take advantage of that opportunity to start building that budget and start looking at what. Uh, how your loans fit into that when repayment does restart, and that it's not going to, um, you know, blow a hole in any areas of your financial wellness overall going forward. So, and if you have questions, reach out. Um, again, we've we've got a lot of experience, particularly with dealing um, with the ins and outs of student loans, and and also, you know, trying to just help you wrap your head around, you know, the 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 start of a budget and and planning and working some of those uh, priorities. Um, into your budget going forward
1: yeah exactly exactly what tony said if you uh if you need us uh you know where to reach us find us email us um hope to see you on the message boards and thanks again for uh taking the time to to listen to your conversation thank you for joining us for this episode of the veterinary pulse Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.